little bit of a different approach today on the Wizards Roundtable. You know, normally we are talking to businesses about how they can improve their advertising and marketing. But today we're going to talk specifically to radio stations, radio station salespeople, on how they can get better information from businesses to their production and creative departments. And you want to stick around to the end because you're going to get to hear one guest say, Radio is not working any less well for any of my clients than it was one year ago, three years ago, five years ago. And also, I don't make a cent commission buying radio. We do it because we're paid on growth and your industry works. Today on the Wizards Roundtable, Tim Miles from Nashville, Tennessee. Tim Miles and Company. He is a business coach and strategist and all-around swell guy. With him is his co-pilot, Ryan Patrick, who is a great writer and producer as well. And I'm Johnny Molson in Springfield, Illinois. And the thing the three of us all have in common is that we were once radio production directors. Now, I think this is going to be useful not just for radio stations, but also for TV stations and billboard companies and content creation firms. Any Anyone who is getting information from an advertiser and bringing it to a creative department to make ads, I think this is going to be useful for them. I agree, and I think it could be useful as well for, you know, if you're in a larger market and you're working, instead of a salesperson, you're working with a program director and you're you're making promos. I think the same principles still apply. What I don't want this to be is some sort of complaining session um, because that's not constructive. And the older I got, uh, the more I realized that that didn't help anybody. Wait, it's not a complaining session? <laughs> Ryan, good to see you. We'll see you next week. I'm out. See ya. So, Tim, let's talk about this a little bit. <laughs> you know, I think I think what gets missed is that whomever is in your creative department, production department, whatever your title is for it, has to act as an advocate for the advertiser. That's the one thing that is probably missing from a radio station. It doesn't mean that the, that the, the sales department or the programming department doesn't care, but you can't really put production under programming and you can't really put it under sales uh, because they have their own goals and things that they're trying to accomplish. Somebody has to behave uh, as an advocate and saying this is what's in the best interest of the advertiser. Uh, agree 10,000%. Johnny. I was fortunate that I got my start under uh, a man named uh, John Zimmer and his brothers who really looked at things from the advertiser's point of view. I was spoiled early on by an understanding of how important it was for the three departments, sales, production, if you will, and programming to all work together to be in business as, as their uh, positioning statement goes um, to help the customer's business grow, which is still our model today in Wizard of Ads. Correct. And I think the, and again, it doesn't mean that, that sales and programming don't care about the advertiser. I think they, they're just coming at it from two different places. Uh, sales departments have goals that they're trying to meet, and to meet those goals, they have to sell something. Programming is trying to program the best possible station, and their their mindset isn't necessarily going to be on uh, what's in the, you know, we, we hear these stories of program directors saying, well, we can't have the same advertiser on every hour, every hour, uh, or every commercial has to have a music bed under it. It's like, no, 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 it doesn't. And, and you got you to get yourself out of there uh, and have somebody who's going to say, this is what's in the best interest of the of Yeah, the and it, it, it's a lonely job sometimes. 
too, because a production director or a production team, uh, if you're lucky enough to have a production team, they are in that, that lonely island between programming at a radio station and uh, sales. And that can be challenging, too, because um, you have to be able to balance one uh, or both of them really effectively. And that can be a, ch a real challenge sometimes. Um, are there frustrations? Absolutely. Um, are you overworked and criminally underpaid for what you do? Absolutely. Um, you know, do, do the programming staff, do they, uh, do they, uh, wince when they see you because they, they know that you're coming in with more work for them? Uh, absolutely. Uh, do you, you know, you do, you not get paid enough as much as a sales team? Absolutely. But you have to take all of those and pack them away and understand that your primary job as a, as, as a production manager uh, is to make sure that you're taking the information you get and you are, you are creating effective messaging that will get results for the client. Because when that happens, everybody benefits on both sides. So let's, and that's, that's a challenge and it's, and it's a lot of pressure on you as well. So let's start with getting the information. What do salespeople need to know about getting information from an advertiser to your production or, or creative departments? If you ask stupid, shallow questions, why do you act surprised when you receive stupid, shallow answers? Mm. What I mean by that is the the age-old CNA, client needs analysis that you go out and fill out. And I'm not saying it's easy for particularly new reps. We all know the turnover in the industry, and you're just trying to get your foot in the door, and you finally get your foot in the door, and the last thing you want to do is waste somebody's time. But it's also the only chance you get to make a great impression of what radio can be. And so what you want to do if you're a rep, if you want to help your writer to get more meaty information, the very first first thing that I would suggest that you do is think smaller. And what I mean by that, Johnny, is the cliches that we always get. Well, so what makes you different? Well, we care about our customers. Oh, you're the company that says you care about your customers. And I'm not saying that you be insulting. I'm saying that you say, okay, great. Now, a lot of people say that. Can you tell me a story? The magic words. Can you tell me a story in the last week or so that shows an example of how you cared about your customers? Because that would be an ad. And if you have seven of those stories, then that would be a campaign, which you talk a lot about on Wizards Roundtable. If they can't tell you one, two, three stories about caring about their customers, they don't. Right. They're, at, they're at best mediocre and advertising only accelerates. This is what Roy Williams taught us so many years ago. Advertising only accelerates what's going to happen anyway. And so if there's a disconnect between the messages we try to create in a production department and the experience a customer I'm about to use experience as a noun and a verb. One of my great, that, that was lower down on my list of things you should never do. Um, it, it, if the experience doesn't match the experience they heard on the radio, there's a disconnect and you've just lost a customer and that customer's yeah. friends. Also, quality in, quality out. Um, you cannot expect a, a, a really stellar, effective, persuasive message if you only hand your production team a list of cliches. 
Um, that's like asking a chef at a four-star restaurant to make a gourmet meal with a can of Spam and a horseradish sauce packet from Arby's. Uh, it's, it's not going to happen. And so they're, they're not Rumpelstiltskin. They can't spin gold from straw. You have to give them effective uh, ideas and you have to give them uh, the stories that Tim was talking about and then let them trust them to be able to use those ideas and those stories to craft messaging that will get results for the client. The other thing that I think is really critical, Johnny, is knowing because every business owner is different. How is that business owner measuring success and when? Is this client a short-term thinker where they need something this weekend? Or do they understand that if you're going to use radio as a mass medium, it is a wonderful bonding tool to help make you a household name that's known, liked, and trusted, and that equity builds over time? Because if that's not communicated to the production director, that my client it had just bought a 30-day contract with us, that's a very different ad that I'm going to write than if the client bought a 52-week contract from us and understands that each each ad that we write is part of a campaign. And I'd say uh, appreciate the position that you're in because as a salesperson, you're the front line that's out there with the client. And so if you make the mistake of saying to the client, so what would you like in your ad? Uh, they're not the experts. They don't know what, what should and shouldn't be in an ad. From a customer service standpoint, I get it. You want to satisfy the customer, but from a from an from an advertising standpoint, from making an ad work, uh, it's it's not what do you want in it. Tell me about your business, and I will help you say the right thing so that it stays focused, so that we're not trying to put the entire business into thirty seconds, sixty seconds, uh, and make it work. And if you're an account executive and you walk in and say, "Tell me a story." you are the probably the only person in a sea of advertising specialists that are walking into these clients' stores and asking them that question. Everybody else is coming in saying, what do you want in the ad? You're the only one who's coming in saying, tell me a story. Tell me how it is that you do what you do. What drives you? What's your passion? You talk about standing out as a, as a salesperson, you're going to stand out to the client and you're going to get that gold that you can take back to your creative team. I have two things to add to what Ryan said, which I think is brilliant. Um, what Ryan said, what I'm about to say is remarkably average, but what Ryan just said was brilliant. And that is, I think there are two things you can do to build upon that. Three things that you can do to make it even more special. One, whether the client prefers to be contacted by phone or emailed ahead of time, let them know that you're going to be asking some different kinds of questions. Get them excited, build some anticipation in their brain. Because like Ryan said, you're starting to brand yourself as a different kind of sales rep than they're used to. Number two, in that same email or phone call, say with your permission, I don't want to have my head buried in a notebook. Now, I'm happy to sign a confidentiality agreement with you, but would it be okay if I recorded our session so that I don't have to take notes? I can really, really listen. But more than that, my creative team back at the station can listen to it as well. Or three. And this, I think, and, and having had the opportunity under John Zimmer to do this, go with the sales rep. And... 
listen yourself. What an impression that will make. And it's famously in one of the Wizard of Ads trilogies. The key to success is how well your ad writer knows you as a client. Bring the ad writer with you. Buy him lunch. Even better, build the mystique and brand of the ad writer and invite the client to the station. Yeah. No, no, no. You come to our dojo and our ad writer doesn't leave. You come and he interviews you here or we interview you here. Having done both, they're both incredibly effective and it builds an incredibly strong bond between you as a production person and the team of, of account executives. But more than that, it's an, it's from that point forward, when you've invited a client in simply to interview him and ask about stories, it's an unfair fight with any other media rep that client has who's going in with their three-page CNA that Chris Lytle wrote back in 1974 that they're still filling out and they never lift their eyes up from. What yeah. the CNA misses, there's, there's good parts and bad parts of a CNA. The CNA misses the stories. The CNA is the... Uh, you know, it's the it's the ugly electrical wiring that uh, that needs to be considered in an ad campaign. How much money do you have to spend? How what's your time frame of getting results? Those are all very important things, but they're not necessarily things that are useful for a commercial. So you get, I'll, I'll pose this question to you guys. Um, you get the the salesperson comes back to the production department and says, "Well, that's what the client wants." What's that conversation like? Because I'm going back to that idea that the salesperson's right on the, on the front line of this conversation. And if you say to the client, no problem, Mr. Client, we'll go back and make sure that that happens. When A, that may not be, it may not be able to, be, to happen. Uh, you know, please put the Rolling Stones in my commercial. No, that can't, that can't happen. Uh, or B, um, it's not in the it's not in the best interest of the campaign. And the client wants to also focus on this. The client wants to also focus on that. The client wants to also focus on you can't you can't focus on four things at once. You can there's only there's only one one focus. So what do you say when the client says well that or when the salesperson says that's what the client wants? Well, I think that it's it's a it's a learning process. It's a learning opportunity for the salesperson really to be able to push back, and and that's challenging because you. As a salesperson, you don't want to risk the client saying, well, forget it. I don't want to run with you. Um, but you do have to push back sometimes and say, okay, I understand that you want that, but but why? Why do you want that? Do you want that because that's the way you've always done it? Do you want that because every other sales rep will let you do it? Um, why are you wanting to do it? And maybe you can stop that right there. Now, chances are the client will say, you know, there, there's a chance the client might say, no, I want that. I want that in the ad. At that point, uh, when, you're, when you're talking to your, uh, your production team, you, you, there has to be a little give and take. Obviously, the client, you know, the client is always right. Well, that's not necessarily true. The client's not always right. The client knows what they want. They might be misguided. Um, and maybe you make a concession at times and say, okay, I will do this this way, but let's do it this way also and show him how it could be done. And maybe we can convince him eventually to do it this way. Um, you, have to, you have to meet in the middle sometimes. Uh, that was a struggle I had when I was a, a production director is, is I was like, heck no, no, we're not going to do it that way. I, he doesn't, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he... 
Well, he's 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 so far side inside the bottle. He doesn't know anything about marketing. He's just going with what he has always done, typically as as a business owner, or what or what his best friend's uh, daughter, who took a marketing class at the junior college, told them to do. Well, no, that's that's not the way to do it. Uh, you know, there he's taking her advice. Um, you have to you have to meet them in the middle sometimes, and but at the same time. Continue to attempt to educate the client of, okay, we're going to do this, but you have to understand we don't agree necessarily with this decision. And if you say, if you, if you position it that way, we're going to do it however you want to do it. You're, you're paying the bill, you're writing the check, fine. But just know we may not, you may not get the, the results that you want from this message based on this change that you're requesting. And I want to encourage the salespeople to understand that most advertisers, most advertisers will appreciate that candor. Yes, there are always going to be the asses who say, I don't care what you think. I know how to do this better. Uh, and that's fine. And you, 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 know, do, you, you do what you need to do to, 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 to sleep at night. But I, but I think most business owners would say, oh, I wasn't aware that might be a problem and work with them on that level. The challenge and I think it's the biggest challenge the radio industry has today is that we are all talking under the assumption that that rep or even that team of reps does know the difference. Mm -hmm. Think about how many radio sales meetings there are on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, where they go over how to overcome objections, how to get past the gatekeeper, how to prospect, how to close business instead of opening relationships. In those meetings, rarely do we see them talk about advertising or role play between a sales manager and a general manager, the scenario that Ryan just described. That doesn't happen. And I think about bookshelves or videos in any radio station that I've been to, and I've been to hundreds probably in the 17, 18 years that I've been with Wizard of Ads on the other side of things. And I see books I see the little red book of selling. I see Gittimer. I see uh, Zig Ziglar. Uh, I see John Maxwell. What I don't see is Roy Williams. What I don't see is Ogilvy on advertising. The one thing that will work for you, if you're a sales per person watching this, if you're a general manager watching this, if you're a production director watching this especially, do you know why ads work? Because persuasion, whether it's with an audience of thousands, millions, or one business owner, is a transfer of conviction, a belief that this is what we are going to do and this is why. It's unshakable and it's unfakeable. The problem today is that our media reps aren't trained on advertising. They're trained on sales. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would take that a step further and say that a lot of the production team is not studying advertising as well. It, it, a lot of times it's one poor schmo who has been thrown into that position, um, or it is a platoon of on-air personalities doing production. Well, they're focused on air. They, they just want to get the production done a lot of times. Yeah, give me, okay, give me what I need. I'll, I'll get it. And that's not going to help anybody. That's going to lead to an advertiser saying, well, I tried radio, but it didn't work. Well, no, radio works. Your ad sucked because the, the rep didn't get good information and they handed it off to somebody who really didn't show much interest in putting together anything except a, uh, a typical 
cliche kind of ad, and that's what you get. That's what happens when you don't put in the effort. And and sales team and production team, you need to invest in yourself. You need to learn what makes ads work, what makes a good ad. Um, you, you learn something with every new script you write. You learn something with every spot you produce. Um, you learn as much from the, 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 the steaming pile of mediocrity ads as you do the award-winning ads. Um, and by the way, don't measure your self-worth on awards, by the way. Okay? Don't do it. They're, they're nice. They're fun to look on the, on the shelf, but they're fleeting, and they don't mean anything in the end. What you need to do is, you know, I, uh, what, you, what you need to do is, is focus on educating yourself, train yourself. I know, Tim, that's something that you're big on. When, even when you were making how much a week, you were still investing in yourself from an, from an early early, uh, early part of your career. The day before we recorded, this was 25 years ago. I started in radio and it was $315 and 42 cents every two weeks. And back then I knew I wasn't good at this and I want to get better. So I took 10% of what I earned. And I remember seeing that first Holo catalog, Dan O'Day's Holo catalog. It was still in print form at the time. And the very first thing I ordered, I think was interviewing the client or something like that, audio cassettes. And to this day, we still do that. Um, We reinvest in training. Sales reps, general managers, do you know how little it costs to buy a small course or to buy Wizard of Ads Live or to buy something in Persuasion for your team and sit down and watch that starting once a month, then every other week, then every week? We're looking for more profitability. Well, I promise you, if you become better at every form of marketing, not just radio advertising, good writers of radio ads can be good writers of email marketing, can be good writers of blog posts, can be good writers of any sort of digital medium, a drip cam, a post-purchase drip campaign. And in doing so, you can make the whole of your revenue greater than the sum of its individual parts because you realize that you're not just in the radio business, but that you're in the growing the client's business, 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 business. (laughs) All those. It's a lot of people's business. And and you bring up something really interesting. Oh, I doubt that. Don't keep... Uh, don't keep this information a secret. This isn't something that just the salespeople need to know. Programming needs to understand this too. General managers need, and whatever, whatever tool you use, get everybody on the same page and say, Hey, remember when we learned about this thing? Uh, let's make that, make sure we're staying true to that. Remember these five things that, um, that Roy or Ogilvy or, or Tim or Dan O'Day said, um, let's, let's work on that so that everybody's speaking the same language and it's not a, it's not a surprise. Roy Ogilvy, Dan O'Day, and Tim. Yes, that's right. Which one of these just doesn't belong? That's, that's my no. That's my Mount Rushmore of marketers, Tim. <laughs> Roy Ogilvy. I'm like I don't know Curly Joe over here. <laughs> you can barely see. Uh, He's on the backside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I make a great backside, actually. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I hope that we're being positive about this because I think between the three of us. So last year, 
my clients, and you know, Anheuser-Busch has this in the cushions of their couch, but last year across the US and Canada, our clients spent somewhere between eight and $10 million on 52 week contracts on radio stations across the US and Canada. But thinking back to something else that Roy said, you improve what you measure and reward. Think about what is measured for salespeople. How many calls did you make? What's your close ratio? What's your average ticket? If you ask me right now, how much did each of your clients grow by last year? And how long have you had each one of your clients? I could give you those answers for every one of our clients. I wonder if a sales rep watching this would know how much their clients grew last year and why aren't we measuring the advertising team and on-air team together as a reward for how the clients go in Wizard of Ads? We don't make more money unless our clients grow. Our raises to a flat monthly fee are tied to our clients' growth. But in a radio station, at least the ones where I've experienced it, there are outliers, right? There are the people who are doing amazing things and they get written up in the pages of Radio Inc. magazine. And then that gets cast aside and we go back to doing what we always done. But you have to fill out your weekly success summary on how many businesses you called on, how much business you closed. And I want to say that again. How much business did you close this week versus how many relationships did you open? And that's discouraging to me. As three expatriates from radio, I think that that was the, that was maybe the straw where you go, you know what, we're just not taking care of these advertisers. We're just selling them stuff to sell them stuff. And radio stations, TV stations, newspapers have more stuff to sell now than ever before as they're bringing in more digital and online things. Let's sell this stuff. Let's make a go on that stuff. Um, and we just get further. The, the, pack, the package of the yeah, week. Yeah, and it just get, yeah. gets further and further away. Look, maybe they do need a package of the week, but do you know why you sold them that package of the week? And if the answer is, no, I don't know, because my sales manager told me to sell them, uh, then you quote. Yeah, yeah, right, and it and it and it fit his budget perfectly. Um, you know, have the have the fortitude to say to an advertiser, "This ain't right for you," and I don't think this will help uh, because that's that's going to make all the difference in the world, and they will respect you for more uh, for that. I love the industry. If I was selfish, I wouldn't be doing this with you. I wouldn't be trying to help the industry because the fewer people who are on the air. The fewer businesses that are on the air, the lower my clients' rates are. Radio is not working any less well for any of my clients than it was one year ago, three years ago, five years ago. And I know that because we measure by growth. And we do approximately two-thirds of every one of those budgets is mass media bonding for, for all of our clients. It continues to work. Yet... Not a day goes by in trades or online where we don't see that they've let go more on-air staff, more production people. I want to challenge radio to stop being an industry of C students and settling for being average when you have the oper- you have this very powerful tool in the signals of your stations. But you have to stop thinking of yourself as being in the radio spot business and start thinking of yourselves as marketing partners for your family businesses in your markets. It's the only way you're going to succeed and not only survive, but you can thrive.
what Tim said. I want to challenge production directors, though, too, or creatives who are saying, yeah, yeah, listen to us, listen to us. Don't be whiny, little, leg-humping chihuahuas, to, to quote Roy. This comes from a recovering, whiny, leg-humping chihuahua. I was this petulant little artist who got wounded at the very core of my being when a, a salesperson didn't appreciate me. You're in a business, too. Yes, you have the opportunity to be creative and have it as a form of expression. But the very second you start to think about the fact that you're helping businesses grow and that this is work and it's a wonderful career, but it is a career and you start matching force with force with start with one account executive, the one whose eyes light up, who asks the right questions, who isn't jaded necessarily. Find one and start with one and give everything he or she gives. Push back and you'll see amazing things happen. Mine was named Janet. Then it was named Courtney. I shouldn't call them it's both of them were she's. But in one market, it was Janet. In another market, it was Courtney. And amazing things would happen because we worked together. And the mm -hmm. second you do that, you're going to want to do more of it. But they're going to listen to you more. They're going to take you more seriously when you treat it like a business if you expect them to treat you seriously. And on the flip side of that, sales staff, you need to spend time with your production people. Get to know them. Find out what what they like to do. And, and it's okay to slip them a gift card or something every now and then, too. They're not above bribery. But... What you need to do is you need to get to know them because it's building a relationship. What you don't want to be is that sales rep that when you walk into the production office, everybody goes, oh. Every radio station has at least one of those people where the production department goes, oh, no. Every radio station. And, and the three of us can walk into any radio station in the country and go, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and or that's the three. So the traffic department and the production department agree on who that person is. And as a sales oh, yeah. rep, you probably know who it is. And not unlike the sucker at the poker table, if you don't know who it is. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Yes. Uh, and I, I guess this is also a, 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 an a plea to radio stations to make the production department an important part of your business. It's not a throwaway department. Uh, it's not just the, the midday guy who happens to also do funny voices. It's, it's a, if you want to win, if you are frustrated by all the other media coming in and stealing your, your lunch, spend some time investing in your production and your creative department to make good ads. Because when you make advertisers successful, they spend more money with you every single time it's tried, every single time. Spend some time, general managers, spend some time in your weekly sales meetings having advertising training, whether it's Wizard of Ads Live, whether it's the volume of free material that's incredibly well-written and that's well-researched on the whole of marketing at wizardofads.org that we provide freely to help you grow. Just Johnny's got a series. He's the showrunner for the Wizards Roundtable. Just spend time watching those. Invite your production. If you invite your production team into the sales meeting, not to put them on the spot, but to just be up equal among the team, they're going to wear a shirt with a collar on it, and it's going to freak you out, and they're going to feel so good about that. If they start to feel like you're all working together, 
in the history of history, there's never been a better opportunity for you to have access to great learning materials so that you can become not just more confident, but convicted at the amazing long-term power of radio advertising. And I can say that not because I'm a shill for the radio industry. I don't make a cent commission buying radio. We do not take commission on our radio buys. Not a penny. We do it because we're paid on growth and your industry works. Are you working with it or against it? We're done? I have like 19 sound effects. If they sound like they're from 1976, don't use them. (laughs) Don't write dialogue unless you first watch David Mamet's State in Maine and at least four episodes. (laughs) 